I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In this episode, instead of a normal Week in Review episode, we will be doing our annual Roundup episode where we try to cram as many movie reviews from the year as possible since we are in December. The end of the year is coming soon. So that means we need to knuckle down and get serious about making sure we've seen as many movies of the year as possible so that we can adequately have our year-in-review episode later on down the road. More about that later. But this year, Shanna... You were a little distracted, so as I understand it, there weren't any movies that you caught up with on your own. Is that correct? Well, not at this time of the year. My parents were visiting, so I was pretty busy with them. I did watch Station 19, the new season. There's like five or six episodes, so I did get to watch that with them, and that was pretty nice. Lovely. Because then I could point out to them, that is not Portland. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I could be like, this is exactly where it is, and this is where this is, and that is, and that is. Do you, Are you with me? And they'd be like, oh, yes, I see. <laughs> I don't know if they were telling me the truth, but they, I think they enjoyed that I knew where things were. Fair enough. But no movies from the year that you were able to catch up with on your own. Not yet. All right. So let's get started on the roundup. With my roundup, I have four films to talk about that uh, I have been catching up with the past few weeks. First is a film called Barbarian. This is a horror film about a woman staying at an Airbnb who discovers that the house she has rented is not what it seems, with a trailer that successfully avoids giving too much away about what the movie is about and what's going on. It is directed by Zach Krager, who I am not familiar with, but he has apparently directed such uh, projects as a TV series called Newsboys, something called The Civil War on Drugs, and a TV series called The Whitest Kids You Know. So, Oh, okay. He's very new to me. This film stars, however, Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long, sorry, and more. This film was a little bit of a sensation. It it was one of those movies that had hyperbolic critic quotes or or statements in its trailer, you know, about it being like the scariest movie in years. And I th- and this movie definitely made me quite noisy while watching it at home. Oh, that's funny. For sure. If you were in the other room, you would have he- heard a lot of, oh, my God, <laughs> oh, my God, and yelping and stuff. <laughs> I think this movie makes for a, a, a great experience, particularly a first-time experience. However, it is a movie where... The more you think about it, the less the world building it, it has makes sense. It, it mm-hmm. sort of falls apart 
after much thought. So I'm a little mixed on it. I don't think it's an amazing film. Mm -hmm. I think it's an amazing experience, though. So I give Barbarian a 7 out of 10. You can experience it for yourself on HBO Max right now, actually. So, but yes, it it is quite visceral in moments. And it's not exactly what it appears to be in the trailer. Interesting. Yes. I still don't think I'll watch it, but good for you. <laughs> good for me. <laughs> Next, I saw The Black Phone. Hmm. Was that a visceral experience? <laughs> no, it was not. It is a thriller directed by Scott Derrickson, who directed the first Doctor Strange film. It is based on a short story and adapted by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. Talented screenwriters. It is about a child killer, uh, a serial child killer, actually. Uh, really uh, kind of, what's the word? Not haunting, but terrorizing this community in the late 70s. A 13-year-old boy is abducted, as shown in the trailer, and he is he finds himself in a very big empty room with just a mattress and a black rotary telephone, and he starts receiving calls on this disconnected telephone from the previous victims. Mm. So it's kind of interesting. It stars Mason Thames as the main child, Ethan Hawke is in it, and I think, let's see, who else do you see? Jeremy Davies also co-stars in it. Madeline McGraw also plays the sister of the main character. This movie is like a touch of like a Stephen King story with mm. like, I don't want to say Silence of the Lambs per se or Seven, but it has this like, serial killer thriller element to it you know mm. where like you know one thing that has in in, in similarity with silence of lambs is it is about a law enforcement agency trying to track down who the person responsible for these things is and so you do have elements of that also in this film so you do but, see the police looking for them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the police is, yes. Law enforcement agencies, it, definitely a presence in this movie. Okay. Um, but you also have like a touch of the Stephen King kind of element where there's a supernatural element too. And the sister plays a factor in that as well. Uh, this is actually, I actually thought this movie was really good. I was nice. really impressed with it. Of course, Ethan Hawke is an excellent actor. He's a great actor. Do not underrate Ethan Hawke. But, and he's, he's fantastic as this killer who wears a mask to some degree at all times. And he, he speaks in a bonus feature about getting into the psychology of that and that character. But um, it's, it's definitely an effective thriller. It only actually has... I would say one gory moment in the entire movie. Mm. And it's like a brief moment. So um, it's not that kind of a movie for the most part. I would say that moment is definitely what earned it. It's our rating. 
I have to ask, is it satisfying though? Yes. Okay. Yes, I would say so. This is a really good film. I, I would give The Black Phone an 8 out of 10. It, it's it's it, it's it's pretty solid. This has been a heck of a year for thrillers and horror movies. And, and The Black Phone is definitely a notable one for sure. Okay. Well, very good. I'm glad it was enjoyable. Speaking of the like... I caught up with Bodies, 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 or I love that movie. Or Bodies, was cubed? it not? Yeah, Bodies Cubed. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say Bodies Square, Bodies Cubed, as I like to call it. You talked about this movie when it came out in theaters, if I remember correctly. That's right. Me and our son went to go watch it. So I caught up with it, and it is. A t- sort of a slasher film. It basically subverts the slasher genre. It's directed by Helena Rain about a group of rich 20-somethings who plan a hurricane party at a remote family mansion. The the part a party game they try playing turns deadly and it, it basically becomes about the art the the fragility of friendships and about skewering quite cleverly the faux outrage and upper class privilege (laughs) of this particular generation that's depicted with a lot of buzzwords that you hear passed around quite often these days when the what's the word not the truth but when all is revealed in the mm-hmm. end, it mm-hmm. is definitely one of those, oh, wow, that's <laughs> clever. But there's definitely a character in the movie who's a, who's an absolute dipshit, and I won't spoil by saying who it is. I mean, they're all, on some level, an <laughs> idiot. This is why they're in this situation. This is a movie that kept me guessing the entire time. I was trying to stay ahead of it, trying to be smart. It stars Amanda Stenberg, Maria Bakalova from the Borat sequel, Rachel Sennett, I believe is the one from Shiva Baby, uh, Chase mm. Sui Wonders, Lee Pace, Pete Davidson. It's it's pretty darn good. I was I was actually pretty pleased with it. It's also one that invokes conversation after seeing it both in terms of making sure everything fell into place Mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense or is consistent and also any sort of ideas it has on its head. So, yeah, I was was quite pleased with Bodies Cubed. (laughs) Uh, I enjoyed it too. I'm I'm hoping that I get to watch it again soon just so that I can try and rank where's it going to fall in my year review. Uh Uh-huh. But I think it's definitely worth a watch. I think it's a lot of fun. It's a, a little jumpy, and the end is very pleasing. Yeah, and I think I believe it is also available on one of those streaming services too right now. Maybe Hulu, but I'm not positive. I give Bodies, Bodies, Bodies by A24 an 8 out of 10. Mm. And I think lastly, yes, I have one more movie I caught up with on my own. It is a movie called Fall, which some people saw. It feels like nobody saw it, but it actually did all right at the box office. So somebody went out and saw it. So a few people did. 
is about best friends who find themselves at the top of stranded, I should say, not just at the top, but stranded the top of a 2000 foot radio tower is a fictional radio tower based on a real radio tower structure, by the way, uh, it's directed by Scott Mann, who I'm not familiar with. He is known for projects like the, uh, like the tournament and heist. He has not, I think he's directed like, uh, over a dozen things, but some of those might be TV movies and shorts. So I'm not really familiar with his work. It stars Grace Carolyn Curry and Virginia Gardner primarily with a couple other appearances like Jeffrey Dean Morgan in the film. This film actually got me more than a film like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Mm. I found it, especially the first two-thirds completely riveting my palms were sweating (laughs) it all worked for me the only problem is there is a third act twist and there is a single character beat kind of halfway through the film that i feel like hurts it both of those two things hurt the film but otherwise it mostly works as you know just an absolutely riveting terrifying really experience and i i do think it would have been it's really something to have witnessed at the theater when you can't go anywhere and you're just squirming in your seat um, no, no bathroom break for you right nothing so i think i give fall mm, probably a oh, man I, I definitely recommend it, but the, that third act twist really keeps it from being great. So I think it's a really good film. Mm. I barely give it a 7 out of 10. Just barely. Okay. So those are the films I caught up with recently. Now, Shanna, let's get into the films that you and I have caught up with, of which there are several. Shall we? Let's do it. The first, I believe, is a little-known film that came out in the beginning of the year, or the first quarter of the year, anyway. It is called After Yang. It's by a director who goes by the name Coconada. He's directed a couple films I have not seen yet, Columbus being one of the most notable of his films. He did a, a documentary on Richard Linklater, and um, he's done some shorts as well. This is a sci-fi drama after Yang that stars Colin Farrell and Jodie Turner-Smith and someone else, uh, Clifton Collins Jr. Haley Lou Richardson also appears in the film. It is about a family that reckons with questions of love, connection, and loss after their artificial intelligence caregiver unexpectedly breaks down. Shanna, what did you think of After Yang? You knew nothing about this going into it, right? I was the one that kind of knew about it. Is that correct? Yeah, I just saw a trailer and I loved it. I thought this film was doing a lot of clever things with conceptualizing and going on the journey of grief. 
Mm. and uh, losing a loved one i thought that was really well done and uh the most interest one of the interesting elements to me about this film was you know colin farrell it depends which movie he's in but what i have found is in the movie that he's doing he will either have a good assortment of facial expressions (laughs) or none at all okay and I feel like in this movie, that was one where, you know, he, he wasn't very emotive. Right. His character wasn't emotive and Jodie Turner-Smith wasn't very emotive. It was just Malia Emma. Yeah, good luck with that surname. It looks amazing, but uh, <laughs> I, did not, I did not learn how to pronounce this. She, it's a wonderful surname. Maria um, Emma plays the the uh, child in the film. Yeah, and so she was emotional, but that's I think that's solely because you know she's she's a kiddo mm-hmm. and she doesn't understand everything that's going on. She's not being given all the information, and I I also enjoyed the sort of parallels that you can find with this film. With okay, well, caregiver or nanny or you know someone that's you're an employee to the family but could have a very strong family connection might not and so i enjoyed looking at that because at first it felt like there there wasn't a very strong connection and as the film goes by things sort of change Mm. and i liked that i really really did and it was it was a unique use of um androids as well so I agree with you. This is a meditative film. This is a very slow-paced film on purpose. This is a film where the camera does not have a lot of dynamic movement. It's almost like you're looking at a picture frame and people are moving within that frame. Very Ozu-like in that sense. It's, it's, it is occasionally a beautiful film, though, especially as a lot of the film is about looking into the title character Yang's memories. And I think a lot of the beauty of the film comes through those montages as Mm -hmm. we see these memories. It does attempt to explore what makes us what we are as we do so. And I think it is interesting and I, I appreciate the film but I'm not sure that it knocks out of the park as one of the greats or a great film. I, I think it's a really good film. It's not a film for everybody, though, because it, it's it's just a movie that requires some uh, audience with patience, you know, that can handle a film with this sort of meditative, introspective quality to it. You know, so I I give after Yang a seven out of ten. I give it a, a an eight. I I really liked it a little more than you. Mm. Excellent! And wow. Yeah, I'm happy that it's out there. Right on! Excellent! That's very surprising. The next film, also starring Colin Farrell, coincidentally, is The Banshees <laughs> yeah. of Inisherin. Um, this is one where he is pretty emotive yes. in his face, facial yes. expressions. Definitely the range of Colin Farrell here. This is uh, the latest film by Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough, who's known for In Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, 
and uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I'm a fan of Martin McDonough myself. Uh, Brendan Gleeson co-stars in the film. Carrie Condon as well. It uh, and Barry Keegan. Let's not forget him. It <laughs> takes place in a small. Is it an island of uh, of Ireland? Because they talk about the mainland. Uh, they are on an island. Okay. Yeah. So it's set in 1923. We discover, apparently, during Ireland's civil war, they had a civil war going on back then. I didn't know a whole lot about. It has something to do with the IRA. And while that's going on, as depicted in the trailer, one friend turns to another, essentially, and decides he doesn't like the other anymore and wants nothing to do with him and wishes to be left alone. Colin Farrell plays the other friend who just can't leave him alone. And as depicted in the trailer, if, uh, if he doesn't extremes will be taken. So Shanna, what were your thoughts on this film? You're a fan of a couple of Martin McDonough's films that you've seen. Did you have expectations going into this knowing that? Did the film meet those expectations? Where does it fall for you? It's not my favorite Martin McDonough film. Uh, I think I, I love a, a few others more, like Three Billboards. But uh, I was fine with it. Uh, there's one part that's really sad and I had to leave the room because I was feeling uneasy because what the film is doing is it's kind of creating this really like... We're on an island, mm -hmm. and it's lovely, and it's island life. And yes, we have quarrels, but we all try to get along because it's an island. <laughs> That's a very interesting concept in itself. I, I think that that could be, you know, talked about with things that are happening now with life where there's so much divide. Mm. And it's like, well, maybe we, we not be so divided. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anyway, but moving on, there's kind of this false sense of lulling happening. But, mm. you know, every now and again, something disturbing or something weird uh, and creepy happens, you know. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, we're not in a safe place because it just feels like something's about to explode. And it's not just the two characters that we're following. It's, a, you know, everybody feels a little edgy on mm. edge, you mm. know. You know, I think you bring to mind a, a decent argument that this you could call this film a slow burn, that it's slowly simmering up to something yeah. by the film's end. And I won't I don't want to mislead people and say that things get explosive. No, but, but it feels close to that. Yeah, it feels like something it feels like something really really bad and catastrophic is going to happen mm. and nothing too well nothing catastrophic <laughs> so and, and i like the idea of us hearing the you know we can hear the war going on on the other side mm -hmm. we can see a, a couple things like smoke burning or ex, you know mm -hmm. actual explosions um happening and i think that that's interesting that on one side something really, really bad is, is happening. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, it's just the, the small stuff, you know, bad, but small stuff. 
Yeah, you know, the, yes, I think there's definitely something to that. There's a conflict with, uh, with the, within the country, and that's being contrasted with this more intimate microcosmic conflict between two people. And I do think that the movie is that's part of what the movie is reaching for there. I I think that there's some interesting ideas and points that the movie makes. You know, one of the arguments is that you, you don't want to be wasting your life with someone who's boring. Well, you know, you're in an Irish village. Everybody's boring to some extent, right? And, you know, so why fuss about it, right? However, there's also a really good argument to be made of like, okay, well, you could waste away your life doing the same thing, being in a cycle, being in a rut, doing the same thing over and over again, having the same kind of conversations. Or you could make yourself utilize the time that you have on this planet to do something, to create something, to to create some sort of, or at least reach for some sort of uh, significance out of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Could you do both things? Potentially, yes. You could probably have both things <laughs> have a balance, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be an extreme of one or the other. Well, I could know? also ask the question of like, well, he has a, an observation of if we're not making each other better, if we're not challenging each other. Mm-hmm. Like if you've come to this, if you're in a circumstance like an island and you're finding that you're not getting the stimulation that you need, mm. well, then you maybe need to not be part of the problem and pout about the problem but rather fix the problem yeah and it might take a few it might take a while to figure out what's going to work best Mm. to make a sustainable solution but i do think you could look at it from that angle as well are you participating in pouting or are you participating in making solutions or just leave the problem yeah so i think that's a solution too right yeah out of the four McDonough films, it's probably the one I en- enjoyed the least. But it definitely has some ideas that it's wrestling with, for sure. So I give The Banshees of Anishirin a 7 out of 10. How about you? Yeah, that sounds about right for me, too. All right. So next, we have ah a big event. Almost was a podcast of its own, but didn't quite work out, especially since we changed to this weekly format. And we had family coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is Black Panther Wakanda Forever, directed by Ryan Coogler, who, of course, directed the first Black Panther film. He directed the first two Creed films. He did Fruitvale Station just a solid director. This film stars Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Guerra, Winston Duke, Angela Bassett, Tanakh Huerta, Martin Freeman, Dominique Thorne, Florence Kasumba, Michaela Cole. Holy cow, what a long list of names. It is the MCU basically wrestling with the loss of the Black Panther and and specifically Wakanda wrestling with the loss of Black Panther. And what is next? How does the country move forward? Meanwhile, 
uh, there is another character and another nation that is introduced into the mix here mm-hmm. that we see in the trailers. Shiano, what did you think of Black Panther Wakanda Forever? Did you think it's as good as the first film? Do you think that it, it, it uh, kind of finishes phase four of the MCU on solid footing? What, what, what are your thoughts? We have to remember that Black Panther was an introduction to Wakanda and to every little, you know, we maybe didn't get exposed to every little element, but to many elements that make up that nation. Mm. And so it was, and and it also reflects different tribes, communities, and cultures from the African continent. You mm. can tell what's coming from which area. So we have to remember that that was a, that that was very special in its own way. And I don't really want to compare the two necessarily, but with the second one, what we're seeing is okay. Well, what happens when that's a little shattered? by the loss of someone Mm. and we are experiencing what it would look like if we had many female leaders at different levels so we have our queen we have the princess but she's also this fantastic scientist we have the dora milage you know that's like regularly woman and then we have this introduction of another culture that has similarities to Wakanda. Mm-hmm. So it's different. It's a different film. Mm-hmm. Do I feel like it closes off phase four? I don't feel like it's a conclusion film. I feel like it's still existing within its own culture. You know, mm. it's specifically still dealing with Wakanda and then another culture. What are they called? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't actually know what they're called and i don't have that information in front of me here you're talking about namor's culture yeah so i think it's more about that what happens if you know you've been isolated from the world and then another culture introduces themselves and you have similarities like are you gonna fight against each other or are you going to unite so i thought that that was very interesting and what happens when you step away and step into leadership roles so i I, and what happens if you mess up Mm. like how do you deal with those consequences and what's and and what if that's all you've ever wanted in your life how do you deal with that afterwards so all these different characters are dealing with different things and i really enjoyed it i like the format of the story i i enjoyed this film a lot i thought it was very good did you feel like it being two hours, 45 minutes, that it was overlong? Did you feel like it had any fat on it that could have been trimmed? Or do you feel like, yeah, this film could only be told if it was told in two hours, 45 minutes? No, I, I feel like, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen the film. I think there were one or two things that I just wanted just a visual clarification on. I can't remember what it was. And I was fine with the length of the film. Mm. I felt like we needed to take our time spending time with uh, the different characters. Mm. So I was fine with that. Mm. I think that I would agree that in order for the plot developments to work out that the way they do, um, it, it definitely needed the time that it took uh, without it feeling rushed. Now, 
it is interesting. I feel like this movie is foreign trade and foreign relations as a superhero movie, largely. Because <laughs> when you get right down to it, this movie is about how one nation has a natural resource that other nations feel like they could benefit from. And how... Well, whether, that they're entitled to. <laughs> whether or not they there could be trade, exports, and 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 why... And what happens if that that isn't the case? And also, it, it's about nations as allies, uh, you know, creating allyship and dealing with the diplomacy and the foreign relations. That is, in a nutshell, a big part of what this movie is. And I think it's very interesting that that's what the, they've been able to introduced as as a superhero film here this film the biggest thing about this movie is it introduces the character namor who is he's a standoffish character he's somewhat anti-hero like because while he is mostly a fantastic four character as i recall from the comics uh you know and a character his own way i think he's had his own titles here and there but uh he's he's sometimes worked against the Fantastic Four and and the uh, worked against the Avengers as well as with. So he's in the interest of his nation and his people. He's distrustful of mm. the, uh, what is he, not land walkers, but he, the land dwellers or whatever, people on land. He's distrustful of people above, right? And I think that that comes through very well and how it comes through in this film is really interesting and i think tying his nation to the mayans as some some actual real tangible culture ancient culture is is really a smart idea and i Mm -hmm. think you're right it does help create these interesting comparisons between wakanda and his nation and also there's the diplomacy aspect of this you know and how fragile that diplomacy can actually be i do think though that both times i watched this film because we watched this film twice in the theater the third act often in these marvel films or in any superhero film there is a climactic battle and you're supposed to feel roused by it and and thrilled by it and usually certain characters pop up using their powers for the first time or whatever it is or using their powers in really cool ways and i feel like all those elements are there but i feel like this film is i felt very conflicted in watching it and ultimately for reasons i can't get into here i felt this film was a little bit confused in what it wanted and i think that hurts it a little bit that and it is not nearly as lean as the original black panther so i don't think it's quite as good as the original uh, the first black panther film but i do think it is really good and it does have a lot of strengths to it a lot that really it deserves credit for and i am excited about the new character riri williams as well and where that potentially goes in phase five i i have to say this isn't really much of a spoiler about um they have to go to america and shuri and okoya have to go to america and 
I thoroughly enjoyed their time together, mm-hmm. how they interacted with each other mm-hmm. and and the dialogue and the joking and the teasing. And, you know, it all just feels so familiar to me yeah. coming from South Africa. And they're speaking, you know, the chosen language for Wakanda is Corsa. So it's really nice to, to hear phrases that are remind me of where I used to live. And I also enjoy when Shuri changes her accent. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to an American of, to an American yeah. seamlessly and I just I, I thoroughly enjoyed that yeah I think there's mm. a lot to enjoy and this definitely pushes this part of the MCU into a whole new era so oh yeah and we can't forget to mention M'Baku I mm. loved seeing him in this film as well yes yes his presence was was definitely welcome so i give black panther wakanda forever a seven out of ten i give it an eight all right so moving on we saw the next film is our only streaming exclusive movie that we're going to talk about this was not theatrically released it is chippendale rescue rangers a movie that we meant to watch Around the time it first came out and just either forgot about it or just didn't get to. It is directed by Akiva Schaffer, who is known for being part of the Lonely Island, directed the Lonely Island music videos, directed the Lonely Island film, pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, which is a brilliant and hilarious film. This is a movie that's supposedly an adaptation of the cartoon series Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which I grew up with and am a big fan of, a big part of my adolescence. It takes place 30 years after the show ended. And the thing about this movie is it exists as though the show was a TV show and Chippendale were just actors in that TV show. And they live in an existence where animation and live action interact. Animated characters are actors just like George Clooney, Brad Pitt, or whoever else are actors. And Chippendale live very different lives at this point. When a cast member from the series mysteriously disappears, the pair must reunite to save their friend. Mm. It stars Andy Samberg, John Mulaney, Will Arnett, Kiki Lane, Eric Bana, interestingly enough, Dennis Haybert, Haysbert, I'm sorry, and J.K. Simmons. I will stop there. There are... Well, a we lot can we of... can add Tress McNeil. We can throw her in there. Okay. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot of other appearances that I won't spoil in this film. Shanna, did you even grow up with Rescue Rangers as a kid? I did. You know, TV was weird in South Africa when I was a kid because. Uh, a lot of entertainment didn't come through or was restricted from coming through to the public. And so when we did get stuff, it was maybe many, many years later. But mm. yeah, Chip and Dale was on television. Uh, we didn't have the Disney Channel when I was growing up. But uh, yeah, I, I rather enjoyed it. I loved seeing the I loved Gadget. I loved seeing mm-hmm. the things that they would make. And I liked their squeaky voices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Monterey Jack was cool, too. Absolutely. So 
as a fan, what did you think of this film? Did it, it sort of is also you're a fan of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And this I film am. is somewhat in that vein. So yeah. Was, Where did, the animated characters are like real people and they're trying to get real jobs and be right. cast, blah, blah, blah. Right. So you should and love. And crime is happening. Yes. So you should love this movie, You would right? think that. You okay. would think that. All right. What did you think? I didn't love it. Okay. Yeah. Um, what didn't, what, what is it about? The chipmunks not speaking squeaky. Uh-huh. The whole movie threw me off. It did. Um, I was like, I don't like that. Mm. Like, and it just, in my head, it felt weird because I was seeing Chip and Dale, but I wasn't hearing Chip and Dale. Uh-huh. And I know that there's a lot of people that are like, I don't like chipmunk noises, whether it's Alvin and the chipmunks or Chip and Dale, but it's like, it's Chip and Dale. Uh-huh. Chip and Dale should be squeaking uh-huh. all the way home. Like, that's how the TV show was. Uh-huh. So why wouldn't you do that with the movie? Uh-huh. And I guess they try to justify it with the whole, well, they're just actors. But I still don't like that. Okay. Otherwise, you know, everything else was fine. I, I thought it was very clever. I thought it was funny concepts being executed. This is a very fast-paced movie. There's a lot that you get to see, and you kind of... I'm kind of tempted to pause certain scenes mm. and go frame by frame and see what I can notice. Uh-huh. But I'd probably watch this again. I just, I really dislike that Chippendale didn't sound like Chippendale. So that is probably the most off-putting and biggest turnoff for me in the, in the movie. You too? As, as Yes. Yeah. I was... Very much bothered by the choice to have Andy Samberg and John Mulaney voice Chip and Dale. It, it and it, you're right. It kind of tries. It, it's like you blink and you miss the explanation as to why that is, and it's just not satisfying. I mean, it's 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 one thing for the movie to basically ignore the history of Chip and Dale. As we know it, yeah. you know, that they were in these shorts originally with Donald Duck and basically to act as though those yeah. never existed. And the cartoon series was the only thing that existed. It's one thing for it to do that. It's another for it to completely change their voices and, and you know, in a lot of ways, change their character and make their characters uh, we know characters yeah. that they played you, you bring up a good point there's all the other classical mm-hmm. disney shows like i love Shorts, the, yeah. the you know i love the chip and dale episode when they're with donald duck and donald makes a, a train village oh, yeah, and yeah. chip and dale go and live in there yeah yeah and then donald is infuriated at first but then he's like "Ooh, new playmates mm. you know uh, so I, yeah explain that one i think that this movie is clever like really clever in Mm -hmm. moments Mm -hmm. like the whole thing with seth rogan is really clever Mm -hmm. and and i really appreciate stuff like that in the movie but on the whole i don't think the movie is as clever as it thinks it is and i don't think it ultimately Mm -hmm works as well as it thinks it does i i think it's it you have this dressing 
and it, what it's doing is wrapping around actually a, a fairly rote and unoriginal mystery. Mm. There's elements around it that's somewhat clever, but ultimately this is this is this movie is a, a disappointment. Uh, it, it, it is a disappointment for me. I I barely recommend the movie at all. I give it a six out of ten only because of what is clever in the film. But there is quite a bit that is a bummer. There's actually, I just saw in the trailer here, there's a moment where there's stuff in there that's like, okay, well, whatever. That's not as funny as you think it is. Like it it has a visual reference to Jurassic Park. But yeah, there's there's a lot more that is clever. It just doesn't work on the whole for me. So a six out of 10 for me. I'd give it a four. Okay. Don't change characters voices there are plenty of voice actors out there that could get it right for you i'm surprised you liked it less than me but i uh, obviously i find that quite understandable so that's chippendale rescue rangers next shanna we saw the fablemans i'm actually quite glad we caught up with steven spielberg's latest film you know, going into this movie before its release, I hadn't been really excited by most Steven Spielberg projects in quite a long time. But once I saw that this thing was like about to leave theaters, you know, I was like, I, I, I feel like I really need to catch this thing. And yeah. I'm really glad I did. Mm-hmm. This is a semi-autobiographical take of essentially Spielberg's adolescence through this family called the Fablemans. Um, it is a post-World War II era in Arizona and later, I think, L.A., a young Sammy Fableman aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence, but soon discovers a family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth. It stars Michelle Williams. Gabriel LaBelle plays the lead character. Judd Hirsch, Paul Dano, Seth Rogen also stars. Shanna, what did you think of The Fablemans? Coming away from a film that I disliked to a film that I really, really loved. I just enjoyed, and both have Seth Rogen. I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was heartwarming. It was heartbreaking at the same time, but in a good way, you know, that nice, you know, heartbreak, Mm -hmm. heartwarm balance. Uh Uh, You know, there were beautiful scenes. There were, it was brilliant acting. I think the one, the actor that played the very young Sammy was perfect you know they take him to see his first film and he's just he's just not talking mm-hmm. <laughs> he's processing clearly mm-hmm. and i just thought that that was a really beautiful moment and there's lots of moments in this film just about every moment is beautiful every little thing that happens and there's some anti-semitism in it that's been you know shown during a high school experience and I think that was important to show, but how it's dealt with and what comes of it later is beautiful and gives me hope. Mm. I, I like that that was there, and I thought the performances were brilliant. I love the story. I'm, I'm really glad we saw it on the big screen. I love that Judd Hirsch was in there. I just, anytime yeah. there's an opportunity to see him, I'm like, yes, let's go. 
Yeah, yeah, he's great. Matteo Zorian is the child actor who played the younger Sammy Fableman. Yeah, you know, I think this is a beautiful overview of Spielberg's adolescence. I, I started to wonder, well, what didn't actually happen? Because I, Spielberg is my favorite director of all time, right? And so as such, uh, there's a lot I familiarized myself with him. And so I'm watching this film, and I've seen a lot of what I know to be his life in the film, right? Mm-hmm. So, there, you know, it got to a point where I was like, well, what didn't actually happen? And I have yet to be, have the opportunity to research that. But it, it is it is beautiful regardless. Mm-hmm. And, and and I, I feel like while Michelle Williams as Mitzi Fableman is definitely the standout of the film. What a great actress. I'm very proud to see her have the career that she has and have the talent blossom that she's had develop ever since, uh, you know, watching her on, on Dawson's Creek back in the late nineties. What surprised me was Gabriel LaBelle, someone I've never seen before really felt like I was watching a young Steven Spielberg your the entire time and that i obviously that really worked for me this is someone who has previously apparently starred in the predator i didn't i don't yeah that yeah so that's not surprising that i didn't remember him not a whole lot outside of those two projects so i think he's got a promising future ahead of him because of this film Everybody else uh, definitely were very strong. There's no weaknesses in this film. I, I think- and it's clever, too. There's a lot of moments that kind of... The ending is satisfying. And there's a few moments that kind of show the enjoyment and the intelligence of filmmaking. And I just loved seeing... Yes. What what are you like when you have this this drive, this passion that you need to execute? And, um, you know, there's a, a scene where he's like, I think he's 20 or 21. And he's like, I just feel like my life is going so fast. And <laughs> and and you know what? That's fair, because if you look at what Steven Spielberg has achieved before age 40, Mm. That's fair to think that at age 21, it's going too fast, mm. you know, and I just I, I love the ending so much and, and everything in between. Yeah, yeah. The last beat for sure. I, I think you you breezed by a big thing about this movie which, for me, which was how well it illustrates the ability to see truths or even create myths through film. Mm. It, 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 it's interesting because you're watching a movie, right? You're watching somebody mm-hmm. show somebody show other people things he's creating through film. Yeah. Right. So these different layers, right. Of, of the realities. It, it's, it's really fascinating and so well executed. And you know, what makes it, those things work is people's reactions as they're watching. Mm. And there's, there's definitely one scene in particular that stands out in with regards to that. But the, the whole idea of, of watching somebody develop as a filmmaker and, and 
and it being clear at a young age, having this knack and this talent for being able to illustrate things and and make people feel in response to the images they're seeing on screen. For me, that's one of the greatest strengths of the film as a cinephile, as someone who loves film. So uh, I think I love The Fablemans myself. I give that film an 8 out of 10. I give it a 9. Excellent. Next, we have just a handful of movies left. Glass Onion was in experiencing a limited theatrical window, and boy, we just barely <laughs> squeezed that yeah. one in, didn't yeah. we? And we got to take my parents, and it was to the fancy theater, so it was it was a lovely experience. Definitely, the experience was great. This is another mystery featuring Benoit Blanc from Knives Out. It is directed by Ryan Johnson. It is about a detective being invited to a private island off of Greece and, and, and basically getting involved in his latest case. Big stars in this film, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, and more. A couple I will not spoil, as there are some cameos in this film. Shanna, did you find Glass Onion to be as satisfying as Knives Out, or was it a dull experience? It was definitely as satisfying. It was incredibly fun. Because now we are, you know, we know who Blanc is and what he's like. And, you know, from Knives Out, we know what Ryan Johnson's style is with telling this story. That was a really nice foundation and thoroughly enjoyable. It's one of my favorite films. And so watching Glass Onion, it, it didn't, it was a great sequel because I know that sequels can be really difficult to do. But I, I just, I really loved it. You didn't necessarily need to know about Knives Out, but it's nice to, to watch that first, I think, mm. and know about the history of how good Blunk is. And this movie is mm. so clever. It's doing so many fun things. It's happening during COVID. <laughs> so right. it's, yeah. it's really something. So it's, it's getting pretty comical about that. And I'm glad that that was included in the way that it was with mm. certain characters, you know, wearing masks in different ways and having different kinds of masks. Uh -huh. And I, I, it sounds like a silly thing, but Man, we lived it for like just about two years. And so I'm glad that it was featured in something that's so comical. Yeah. And I I love the performances. I love the characters. I loved where the story was going. I did not, unfortunately, get it right. <sighs> in terms of guessing. <laughs> guessing who done it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, God damn it. But then at some point I was like, well, maybe it's this way. And so for a brief second, my brain was like, well, that is a possibility. So, you know, but it's still like the way everything unfolds, I did not anticipate. Mm -hmm, and I really mm -hmm. enjoyed that. So mm -hmm. for someone who's into things like Columbo, 
and murder she wrote but things that have happened already and and mm-hmm. we get to follow and invest it so like the closer major crimes things like Poirot, that yeah agatha christie novels yeah. yes and so i'm a huge fan of whodunits uh-huh. and i i love this i thought it was great i enjoyed it so very very much so i think that this is a very clever film with surprises mm. aplenty. Mm. I, I think that there are things that happen in this movie that I didn't expect to happen. Deaths that happen in this movie I didn't expect to yeah. happen. This movie actually at one point seemed like it was going to be Ryan Johnson's take on Agatha Christie's and then there are none. And I was like, oh, how smart, which, you know, it's also a story about a group of people being invited to an island and uh, for a dinner and people start getting bumped off. And then it isn't. And because Ryan Johnson is capable of creating his own shit. (laughs) Well, regardless, I, I mean, even if it was did end up being his own take on and then there are none, it would have still had his own originality and his own spark to it even at that point when i was thinking that and it's just it'd be it it ends up not being that and still even more uh, brilliant because of it i think that it is a film that has an excellent cast and man what a year for women in film like we already called out michelle williams in the fablemans and here we have Janelle Monet as a standout in mm-hmm. uh, Glass Onion. Black Panther is full of uh, standout female characters. But yeah, Janelle Monet is, is uh, uh, just amazing in this film. And the film itself has something to say about those with power and the hold they have on us that allows them to get away with so much. And mm-hmm. I feel like, gosh, how... In, uh, relevant is that you know in a time mm. where we have a tr- an impeachment trial that went nowhere and and it seems like this other um sort of thing with trump that seems to be going nowhere like this is this film's also without being obvious about it is so relevant as well while also telling a fully entertaining mystery murder mystery mm. story mm-hmm. um I give Glass Onion an 8 out of 10. I think it's one of the best movies of the year. I give it a 9. Awesome. Awesome. Very close to a 9 for me as well, actually. All right. So marching on in the last three films, love. Our next film is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. It was quite the critical darling during the summer. We were not able to squeeze it in. Is directed by Dean Fleischer Camp, written by Dean Fleischer Camp and Jenny Slate and Nick Paley, starring Jenny Slate and Dean Fleischer Camp and <laughs> Isabella Rossellini. It is apparently based on YouTube short films and an adaptation of those, interviewing a mollusk named marcel like the title it basically describes the character as a stop motion live action animated movie by a24 shanna we had a lot of anticipation going for this film i believe it was one of 
our most anticipated movies of the summer after we saw the trailer. Did it live up to your expectations and become one of the most delightful films of the year? Yes, it did. Uh, I can't wait to own this film. It's A24, so I mean, that's we're A24 fans. Um <laughs> They just push out such good work. And I I love this movie. I thought it was, you know, we've had quite a variety that we've talked about yeah. um, today. And this one was just a really nice, hopeful, uh, beautiful, make lemonade out of lemons. And I, I just, I really love the determination in this film and the sweetness of it and the kindness, but also the ability like that Marcel is great because he, he also calls out crap. You know, they go onto, they post a video, they hope they're going to get help and they don't. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, that's not really what I, that's not really helpful. Mm. And well, what happens is well, not to spoil it, but yes, what happens ends up not being, what he's really looking for. We yeah. do see it in the trailer that they're gonna, you know, I'm looking for my family. Right. Yeah. And but but seeing the relationship between Marcel and his grandmother is very sweet and beautiful and mm-hmm. makes me miss my gran. And I I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a lot of fun and it's it's cute because you I don't know how old Marcel is supposed to be, but. Marcel pranks, he like pranks the documentarian. And uh-huh. I thought that that was really sweet. Uh-huh. So it, it's a lot of fun. So I, I really like the movie as well. It is delightful. It is funny. It is it, the kind of movie where if you're just looking for something that is pleasant and is something that is a feel good or light entertainment kind of thing, then I think you're going to like Marcel the shell with shoes on. It is melancholic yet. As you kind of said, it's disarming in, in Marcel's view of the world. Mm. Right. And I think Marcel may be one of the year's best characters. Definitely. Uh, Marcel, voiced by Jenny Slate, by the way, who is a delightful talent that we're big fans of. I think I I fell short of loving this movie, but I really, really, yeah, I really like it, though. It it just didn't completely overwhelm me with emotions like the trailer made me think I might. With it, with it's just you know this contrast of some something so small having this uh, the most simplest of perspectives. That can just absolutely disarm any complicated emotions or feelings that you have about the world. You know, that has a lot of potential to just absolutely tear me down. And it didn't quite reach that or anything, but I really liked it. I think it's a really good movie. And I think maybe just outside among the best movies of the year that I've seen so far. I give Marcel the Shell an 8 out of 10, just barely. I, I give it an 8. Awesome. Did you have any other thoughts on it? I had big emotions for this film, so I don't know. Um, I think this this film hit me really hard. You know, harder than After Yang. Mm, 
I think this is the one that made me cry the most. So, oh, yeah? In, in okay. a good way. Okay, interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, that's Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Last two. The menu is next. Yeah, if you want some fun. This is a thriller that is about a young couple who travels to a remote island also to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. It's directed by Mark Mylod, a director, again, I am not familiar with. He apparently is a director of episodes of the TV show Shameless and Game of Thrones. He's done some other TV work, apparently. Uh, Entourage, he did several episodes of. Uh, I'm not sure this may or may not be his directorial, uh, theatrical directorial debut. Oh, he did a movie called What's Your Number that I'm not familiar with. So definitely kind of a new talent uh, for me. This film stars Rafe Fiennes as the chef, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt as the couple, who also joined Janet McTeer, Hon Chow, uh, John Leguizamo, Judith Light, and more. Shanna, you were really looking forward to the menu. I was unsure that it was going to be my cup of tea. <laughs> what did you think of the film? Did it live up to your expectations? Yeah, I thought it was really clever. I enjoyed how it poked fun at foodies and i enjoyed the restaurant experience i liked seeing how dedicated they were there are these places that go hardcore who are very well or rather very passionate about what they're doing it's interesting that in this one it's like they go to an island and Mm -hmm. they do everything there on the island that they're serving you talk about exclusive it's very cool and there are places that i know about that you know aren't an island but they're definitely a a large piece of land that do their things Uh and i i love that element of it i thought it was very clever i wasn't really sure what was gonna happen Mm. and it was a really good story it was a really good story and i love the characters and I'm maybe burnt out from talking. <laughs> so, you know, what did you think of it? Because you were worried that it was going to be too much for you. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I saw the trailer and I got the feeling that this was a movie about cannibalism. Like the, <laughs> that the menu was going to feature humans. Like that they wow. were part of the menu or something like that, you know. And, and, and thankfully for me. This film is not that. Apparently, there is a movie about cannibalism that is out there that we have not seen yet. But And maybe we won't have the time to. But this is not this movie. That's for sure. Uh, this is a riveting thriller, I think. It's, it's actually one of those that quite well plots itself out where it kind of works its way towards the point where everything takes a turn. And it does that very well. It, it, it's It's... You know, it's a commonly used plot structure, and it it works very well in this film. I think this is a tightly crafted film. I think Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy are superb. Mm -hmm. They go sort of head-to-head eventually as as the trailer sort of sets up. You could tell, like, Anya Taylor-Joy is the 
odd man out of the group of characters here. This is a movie, though, to that to that on that note where 10, 15 minutes in, I immediately had questions, not because I was confused. And I do mean this in the best possible way, because there are there there is so much that's not explained right away mm-hmm. that that like be, gets revealed during the course of the film. You mm-hmm. know, like who are these people? What are they well, like? Well, <laughs> this I can't even talk about it. But you know, who who is yeah? She, all you this really sort of don't want to spoil it. Yeah, there's yeah. Th- this movie does well. The peeling back the layers that Benoit Blanc talks about, <laughs> you know, in his films. And and I, I think it's a, a very effective film and it, it sharply skewers elitism, critics and and fans also. As, so, yeah, I, I think it's 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 a, a big surprise for me for, for this year. I thought it was going to be fairly standard, maybe done well for what it is. But not outstanding, and I it ended up being actually quite outstanding, and and it may end up being on my ten best movies of the year list, uh, but we'll see. You know, so I I give the menu an eight out of ten. Um, yeah, I give it an eight. Awesome. Lastly, we have another whodunit that we caught up with. <laughs> It's been a really nice week for me. <laughs> yeah. See How They Run is a movie that seemed to have come and gone from the theaters for the most part. I don't know how well it did. It's available on HBO Max at this point, but it, it is, like I said, a whodunit it, directed by uh, someone named Tom George. Another director. So many people I'm not familiar with releasing movies this year. A uh, British director, he's done shows like This Country and Defending the Guilty. Uh, not much in the way of film work, if at all. This might be his directorial feature debut. Um, it's a murder mystery that stars Saoirse Ronan, uh, Ruth Wilson, uh, Sam, Sam Rockwell, David Oyelowo, Adrian Brody, and several others okay shanna Mm -hmm. you're a fan of the whodunits this takes place in a west end of 1950s london has to do with a play and a very i think i think it actually is supposed to be an agatha christie play right no it is it is okay there's a lot of fun things that happen in this film mm -hmm. and a lot of fun surprises and it's, it's so enjoyable i think maybe that's why i just absolutely you know, in addition to trying to figure out who did it, why I like whodunits, because there's this opportunity to have a lot of fun uh, in between moments. And the characters can either be absolutely hilarious, absolutely disturbed, or in between. Uh-huh. And I, I love that. I feel like this falls into the hilarious category, mm. whereas Knives Out is kind of the in-between, and then the menu is the, the other side. <laughs> <laughs> the right. disturbed. Not that it's a whodunit or anything, but yeah. Not really, no, but it kind of has a similar feel in a way. Mm. I did not guess who did it. Mm. So either mm-hmm. I'm rusty or whodunits are getting really good. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and Well, do you think that the movie 
gave you enough clues to be able to guess the killer in this case. Oh, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Or it at least steers me very clearly to one particular person. Uh Uh-huh. And I, at the same time, I was like, but it can't be that person. So mm. I love that it was happening in the theater. So there was theater drama. There was... And this is a stage theater. Is yes, what we're stage about. theater. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that was a lot of fun. And the characters were great. So yeah. you really liked see how they run. Yeah, I did. I thought it was an amusing whodunit film, mm. but a bit of a trifle also. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure that there's enough clues to be able to guess who the killer was. It it, it felt a little bit like, well, there's no way I could have figured out that was what was happening. But it is, to the film's strengths, it is also one of those movies where uh, elements or events in the movie become part of the plot later in the movie, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it, it, you know, you, you see things being talked about or being demonstrated or shown that become how the movie plays out. And I, I appreciate that. And again, Susha Ronan, she's the standout of this film, I think. I love seeing her. I feel like we haven't seen her in forever. Another great actress performance in this. But I think ultimately this... This is a movie that you watch if you you just want to relax and you want a little bit of an escape. There's not a lot more than just the the joy and fun of a simple murder mystery out of this movie. So I, I give See How They Run a 6 out of 10. Hmm. Excellent. I give it a 7. All right. So that actually brings us to the end of our list of movies that we rounded up here today, Shanna, of everything that we saw, what is the film uh, kind of recapping that you liked the least? Oh, the least? Probably Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers. All right. Our one streaming exclusive movie you liked the least. And and as do I, actually. Mm. And, and, and actually, speaking to my own personal roundup, I will say... That probably the black phone is the best of the bunch. Wow. And the fall is, I should say fall is just barely the worst of the bunch, but I still, I still strongly recommend it out of our roundup. Yeah. Chippendale rescue Rangers definitely is down there. Uh, everything is kind of on top of that, you know, just ranked a certain way. What do you think is the the movie or movies you recommend the most to kind of refresh people on? Go check out The Fablemans. After Yang is a really unique one. If you're a Black Panther or Marvel fan, you should have seen that already. Uh, Marcella Shell for a little bit of fun and Gloss Onion and see how they run. Okay, that's like half the movies. We well, how many talked. did you want? How many did you want? I, unless... You can't decide. You can't decide. We saw Do you so want me to say ones. one? Sure, if okay. you want to boil it down to one, what, which one out of those? I would say if you're a movie person, you should see The Fablemans. There you go. I will say the best of the bunch, definitely Glass Onion, which is now available on mm. Netflix, and The Menu, mm. hands down. If you're only going to see a couple of these movies, those are the ones I, I highly recommend the most. 
Otherwise, you heard our thoughts. We're very positive on most of these movies. Only lukewarm to a couple of them. Negative on just Chippendale Rescue Rangers. But what are your thoughts on these movies? Feel free to share with us. Email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Shanna, before we talk about what people can expect the rest of the year from the movie lovers, where can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Shanna Paxton Photography or on Flickchart Spellbinding A. Jeff, tell people the many places they can find you. Well, there's really only three primary ones, honestly. The GibsonReview.com, that's the main one. Go there, you'll find a lot on there. Several things I'm sure you have not mined or read. Go explore the menus. There's also past episodes of the movie lovers on that website follow on social media facebook.com slash the gibson review or instagram the gibson 99 i do bracket polls there i'm not sure if we've done one since the last episode i think i've been holding off uh, until recently, this what may or may not still be happening is your favorite journalist movie in honor of our last episode and our review of She Said Before That. People are deciding what that might be, and you can check out what that decision was at the Gibson 99 on Instagram. Keep an eye out for future polls on there. All right, so here's what you can expect. Usually we do a three-episode arc with a, a weekend review, a main review, and film faves. The, because we are reaching the end of the year, things are going to be a little bit different in December and maybe a bit in January. Next episode, we're going to do a main review because we have to. Avatar, <laughs> The Way of the Water. It's just like the kid that's like, I'm going to eat my broccoli because I have to well, if I want my dessert. You know, <laughs> yeah. everybody's wow. going to be interested in that movie, so why not throw our two cents in? Great. That'll be available on December 20th. It is a Tuesday. After that, I think we'll take a week off for the holidays. Give us a little bit of time to make sure we have watched everything we need to, especially since there's a few more releases coming out in December before we do our 22 in review. That episode, I think you'll be able to find on Tuesday, January 3rd, and hopefully shortly after that, you'll see my article of the best and worst of the year on the gibsonreview.com. Don't worry, I'll remind you in the next episode or so that you'll be able to look out for that. Uh, but that's what you can expect. And then after that, we'll start off the year with what we're looking forward to in 2023. That episode will be a month from now, Tuesday, January 10th. So that's what you can look forward to. That's the game plan for the next several weeks. Up next, 
Avatar The Way of the Water. We'll see you next week. This is Jeff and Shanna saying keep loving the movies. Bye-bye.